Welcome to the Streamer Deep Dive Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I would just like to say there is a shorter condensed version of this episode on the Optics 42 YouTube channel, where you can see pictures that Boa has asked me to share with you, as well as clips from events talked about in today's podcast. But in this podcast, we have an extended version with things that are not in the YouTube video, including how Boa deals with conflicts with his wife, and his taste in Nickelback, as well as other subjects. And with that said, thank you for listening. My name is Jacob, and I've been streaming on Twitch under the username Optics42 for about a year and a half now. And through that streaming, I've made a lot of great friends, and I've met a lot of great people. Some of these people I talk to every day, but one thing I realize is those people that I talk to every day and play games with, I don't know them on a personal level. And it's hard to call somebody your friend when you don't actually know them. And so that's what I set out to do. I set out to reach out to my friends that I've met through streaming and other small streamers to help them grow as a streamer and help their audience get to know them personally. It also helps me get to know them personally as I create and grow my connection with them. This is the Streamer Deep Dive. Today we sit down with Taylor, also known as Boa476 on Twitch. At the time of this recording, Boa has 166 followers. He has a passion for streaming and connecting with people. He's a very energetic and funny person with so many skills and hobbies. We start off today by talking to Taylor about what it was like growing up in a separated household. And while this can be rough on children, Taylor explains that his parents handled this situation very well. I didn't grow up particularly like hard in any means. My parents split up when I was little, so my mom remarried, and I have um, now I have nine siblings. So Jeez. the second youngest of nine people. So that's uh, that's pretty nuts. And a lot of them were a lot older than me, so they were kind of in and out, and I didn't really have a specifically like concrete relationship with most of them. Um, but you know, at growing up, I got I got my little pieces here and there, and like whenever they're out being adults and doing other things, they're coming back and kind of coming back in and out of my life. But, um, but I mean, other than that, I had a wonderful like group of friends growing up all the way up through high school. Um, I'm not gonna like jerk myself off a little bit, but um, I was pretty like popular with people. I could get along <laughs> with just about anybody. I was a um. Um, I was pretty big in like the band program at our school. So, um, section leader, I knew everybody in the band. We were all friends. There's pretty much no bad blood between anybody. So, um, a lot of fun there. It's a lot of where I feel like I got my, um, my like social skills from. So if you ever see me just being able to talk and not do what I'm doing now and fucking like getting a mental block in my head, <laughs> if you ever see me like just being able to fucking go and go and go, that's because I learned that in band because it was just it was a fucking cesspool. Yeah, that's and that that's but, a good skill to have, honestly. I sure hope so. Otherwise, I wasted four years of my life, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's uh that's something that really helps out Twitch streamers as well as being able to, you know, chat with your chat, um, just trying to make up conversation because sometimes you'll have people that come in and say, "Hey," and you're like, "Where where do I go with this?" <laughs> yeah, I feel, and I, that that went on. Um, see, I went to, um. I went to college and was in band for the first two years that I was there. So um, 
kind of got to to experience that and like instead of just being at a high school level you've got everybody that's just on a different level of crackhead in mm. in college so that's um a little bit different too i went to school for originally i went for music and um, switched over to computer science later but um yeah i was in the band there and it was a pretty huge ordeal for me what instruments did you play uh, I played the saxophone, the the tenor saxophone specifically, the flute, um, and I know how to play like the piano and some other little like, joke instruments I have, like the automaton or the melodica <laughs> or something. Yeah, uh, dude, that's pretty dope. I I think uh, I yeah uh, I I play the bass and I think that's it. <laughs> so. Hey man, I mean, bass gives you a lot of the like a lot of the skills you can get to go to other instruments. Like I can learn, um, I learned maybe five chords on a regular guitar but having that like structure and bass at least gives you the the, the foundation of pretty much all music because yeah. the, sp- the low stuff is what builds a structure for everything else to stand on so what, hate. would you say that music was a pretty big part of your life i would say so yeah i mean i like um i've always used it as a um as a not a coping mechanism but just a way to to unwind um I'm a bitch for like really really sad like slow music. That's always like my that's my jam. But um, I do love a lot of different stuff. Um, I know you like um you like metalcore and things yeah. of that kind of like influence too. So I, I had a had a pretty big phase in like junior high and high school. Where that's pretty much all I listened to. Um, no, no, hang on. I gotta I gotta ask you. I gotta ask you. I gotta ask you. Okay. How do you feel about Nickelback? I'm not doing this with you. <laughs> Come not, on. Not, were you were you there yesterday? Were I don't think I was. This? I don't think I was. Uh, oh, I wait, for Trevor? Were... Yeah, Trevor's saying Nickelback is metal. Nickelback I, I is believe... not metal, dude. I cannot for a single second. Oh, well, there goes my drink. I cannot for a single second believe that he actually believes that. Dude, Nickelback is not metal. I don't care what he says. It's not metal. Nickelback is butt rock at best. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, for, so, I, yeah, I was there for that. And when he said that, I was like, freaking, I can't believe you're saying this right now. I feel like he was trying to get a reaction out of us. And he oh, did probably, because probably. boy, I felt, I felt visibly assaulted. I was ill. I was ill. My, I was nauseous in my stomach. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. But yeah, Nickelback is, um, hold on. Now here's my, here's my cold take here. All right. I'm, I'm ready for it. Nickelback is fine. Nickelback is perfectly fine. It is radio rock, and that's what they've been since day one. And they went, they did that. Chad Kroger has made millions of dollars, and he is continuing to do that. That's fine. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. But don't come in here and tell me he's new metal or some shit. No. I I think uh, I didn't realize the hate that Nickelback Nickelback had until like you know a couple years ago. Um, but I also didn't realize some of their newer like I I remember when I was younger. Um, tuning into like WWE like every Monday and Friday night, I didn't realize that the song that played was actually a Nickelback song. Um, it was the mm-hmm. one that's like we're going out tonight. I can't remember what it what is what it's called. Man, I'm not gonna lie to you and tell you that I like any of their like any of their new stuff. So yeah. I couldn't tell you I couldn't tell you that from anything else on the radio. Yeah, but I do know like there are there's several like WWE songs that are like openings from uh, Nickelback just over the years. Yeah. Which is which is so crazy of how they have just like such a such a hating like they have just a mob that hates them. I feel like it's just popular to hate them. That's, oh yeah, that's all it is. I you do get on the internet and like people just hate on Nickelback because 
it's generic music and yeah. people see generic as something that's inherently negative, which is not always the case. Yeah. I, I do think that it's coming back around though. I think people are starting to realize like, like hating Nickelback was just a thing and they're not actually bad. Yeah. I think we're at that point though. I think people at this point are like, we'll just take it for what it is. Like early two thousands, mid two thousands, Nickelback was just, they were putting out generic bangers left and right. That's yeah. all there is to it. Like they were still like, they were getting primetime radio slots for months. And whether you like that kind of music or not, it still says a lot. They're able to stay on the radio played dozens of times a day, all day, every day. Oh yeah, for sure. All right. All right. We're done. We're done. We're done talking about yeah, that. No, dude, move on. Move <laughs> that shit on. Get out of here. Um, so, um, tell me, uh, tell me about, um, you you mentioned that your parents split when you were young. Tell me about um how that affected your relationship with them. I mean, for the most part, I've had a I've had a pretty good relationship with my family growing up. Um, I mean, nothing besides like the ordinary, like you become a teenager and now you just hate everything they do, kind of kind of type beat. But um, no, it was all it was all pretty good. Um, they had a fifty fifty custody arrangement, so half the time I was over at dad's, half the time I was over at mom's. We all lived like within ten minutes of each other, so it's pretty easy for me to get just adjusted to that lifestyle. But, um, and the same thing goes for my um my stepdad, and my stepmom. They both came in and um, pretty good relationship overall. I've got no complaints as far as that goes. There's nothing like we're throwing down in the middle of the yard every Thursday night just for uh <laughs> just for funsies, but. Um, yeah, that's pretty boring as far as, as far as that goes for me, but no, no, it's good. I, I'm, I'm thankful for it. No, it's good. Cause a lot of, um, you know, my, my parents split when I was young too, and, um, they got back together, but in between that time, um, they, uh, they never really focused on, <laughs> I'm going to make this sound like a pity, but they never really focused on their child. They focused on finding, you know, their next boyfriend or girlfriend. And when they, they came in, they didn't have that, um, they didn't have that priority set of, Hey, this has to be good for my child. So it sounds like your parents did that. And that's, you know, that's something everybody should learn from, especially if you are bringing a new person in while you have someone you're taking care of, while you have a kid you're taking care of. Yeah, so. no, I totally agree. And I've, um, I, um, so like, I don't think my dad got remarried until I was 13 or 14. Um, but he maybe had one girlfriend we met in between the age of like four and when he got remarried. Uh, he was very much like, he's very focused on like me and my sister because those were his biological kids. My mom had, um, had all of my stepbrothers and sisters whenever they would come and go. But, um, yeah, my dad always had a really, really huge focus on it. And not to say that my mom didn't, but um, with him being a single dad for so long, it definitely takes precedence. Like, we never even saw any of the girls that he was dating until, like, it was time for him to get serious about it. So having that focus on it definitely made for a better um, home environment, even if um, even if dad and I never got along in a um, – um, even if we weren't getting along in, like, a good, a good time. We always knew he had that focus on us regardless. Yeah, I, I think that's smart, like um... – like you said, you never, you never met him until he started to get serious. I think that's smart that way, you know, you don't bring somebody in, um, and you know, your child or somebody gets attached to them and then ends up not working out. Then that child just loses somebody. They just got used to, they got, they got acquainted with. Yeah, no, that's a therapy session about abandonment issues. Yeah. But no, I, I feel that like, um, I'm super thankful that that was a thing. And my mom got remarried, um, got remarried 
pretty quickly after they split. Um, it was probably four or five when they got when she got remarried, and uh, I mean they're still together now. So um, I don't know, man. Sometimes things just don't work out in the first time, but we end up with a better situation afterwards. So yeah, um, super super thankful for the way that everything like like lined out as far as that situation goes. Yeah, I always think there's uh sometimes with relationships there's uh there's expiration dates. And it's not that that expiration date was bad. It's not that that relationship was bad. It was still a part of your life and you still had great times. But sometimes it's like time to move on. If, if you know, it's just not, if neither of you are happy, then what's, what's the point? If you've tried to make it work, but you can't, then there's not really much point there. Yeah. And I've got to give props to both my mom and my dad on that because even after they split, um, they were never going to be outwardly hostile towards each other because that would not be good for, it wouldn't be good for anybody. It takes a lot of effort to be caught up in, in negative feelings all the time. Yeah. So they were able to move on, move forward. They were very good at like co-parenting the entire time growing up. So like got to give props to them for that. Cause you don't, you don't see the level of co-parenting that, that we saw with them super often they were both always present at school functions we were doing something like marching at a football game and it was a big football game we would be there or um i played football in middle school parents were always there for me regardless of whether they were um like super into the fact that they both existed at that particular time like point in time my dad lives out in colorado now and um he'll come back into um he'll come back to arkansas every once in a while and he'll come by my mom's place with um with his wife and they'll just come around my mom and my stepmom are really close because my sister was like my sister was a shithead growing up <laughs> so they got to bond over bringing down the collective fist on her quite a bit <laughs> so but yeah no it's 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 good to have that like that structure where even if you're not having a, a family that's one cohesive unit it's almost like it is under a larger umbrella you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i think that's that's something you don't see very often is um um or something I, I would say I see a lot, um, even on like my friends' feed on Facebook and everything, is two people get divorced and they have a child and they start talking absolute crap about that other parent. And like, I get it, you guys have problems with each other, but this is still your child's parent. This is still your child's father or mother. Like, they're going to see what you're saying about them and they're going to get that in their head about who that parent is, like what that parent is like. And start treating them how you're treating them. Yeah, I mean that's it's just, and that's why I'm super grateful because I see a lot of I've seen a lot of that growing up, and I never had that um, that kind of negative influence come into my life. So I'm super glad that um, everything that's happened to me and the only the opinions that I grow up with, and um, having learned that my parents aren't perfect like we all do whenever we're like teenagers. Uh, like all those opinions are my own and not necessarily something that was like pushed on to me by my mom or my dad or, or some other outside party. That's good. That's good. That's uh sounds like you got uh, uh pretty good parents there. Yeah, no, I'm super thankful for them. So you, um, you got married. Yeah, I did. So last tell me, year. tell me about the yeah, over oh, last year. That was pretty recent. Yeah, no, we got married in July last year. Ah, oh, tell me, tell me about it. How'd you, how'd you guys meet? You know, how'd that go? Um, so she originally was working at, uh, she was working at one of the local game stores in town. Um, she had been there for a couple of years, and um, I collect video games, so 
I was just actually getting into the the collecting kind of like lifestyle, quote unquote, and I was just going through them, uh, seeing if they get anything new, coming in, checking through, and I'd um like just gotten on pretty good terms with most people that work there. Um, and one day I went in there. I told um I told Brittany over there at the desk to like say, hey, sell me something, and um. She said, I'm not selling you shit today, but you are going to like, you're going to add me on Overwatch and we're going to play games and stuff. Ooh. And that's how we, that's how we broke that. That's how we broke that barrier. I think that, um, I think she said, I like forgot a receipt. She got my phone number out of their system and like texted me and said, Hey, you're in here enough. I'm just going to steal your number and you've got it now. Um, so a little stalker. Me, I like left, yeah, no, straight up, just straight up, like around the window, like coming in through the vents in the ceiling, just staring <laughs> at me while I sleep the whole type beat, you know, up in the tree outside your window. <laughs> Yeah, straight up. But no, uh, we we started by just hanging out and um, uh, mainly playing Overwatch with each other. Uh, we had a little spot that we would meet in town where they did boba tea. We'd always get um always meet up there like either right after her shift or right before they would start just hanging out. And um, originally we just started off as you know just friends hanging out doing whatever. But somewhere along the line something just clicked, man. Oh. And so we actually met while I was still dating my um previous girlfriend and um that didn't end up working out so um i guess that gave room for this new thing to kind of bloom into whatever it is now yeah heck yeah um how'd you how'd you propose um so sounds like there's a story here there's a little bit um we so we had to move whenever i got my job whenever i graduated from college um we were already together. We moved up to uh, we moved up to where we're at now, and I had been working at this place for a couple months, three, four months, and I told her one day, "Hey, I have to, um, I have to stay late for something. Um, we had something break in production or something. Little, did, little did she know, I was actually going into town to buy a ring or look for rings or something." I did this with no research, no no idea what I was going for, no real ideas at all what we were going to end up with. So I went into, we have a mall in our town, and it's just the saddest little mall, but it's got a K-Jewelers in it. I go in there, I'm talking to the dude, and it takes about three minutes before I realize I have no clue what I'm looking at. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I don't even know what questions to ask this man. So it's about 30 minutes after I get off work, I finally just throw in the towel and say, you know what? I just not today. Today is not the day for this. Hmm. Um, so I just kind of sit there and I'm stewing on it, thinking about it whenever I, whenever I'm driving home. And I finally get home, and I walk in the front door. She says hi. So we're we're just you know we're chatting, doing the whole thing. And um, so I just get the light bulb in my head and I just look at her and I tell her, hey, uh, by the way, I wasn't like staying late at work. Um, I was out looking at rings. By the way, I think we're getting married. And she said, yeah, I fucking know that dumbass. <laughs> and we went and bought rings immediately after. So, so did she know you were out looking for rings, or it was it? I have, I don't know. I don't know. I just know that she like didn't buy my excuse that I was out just working late. <laughs> so you don't um, work late. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm a five o'clock kind of man. Yeah. Five o'clock, yes, I'm out the door. But yeah. no, um, but no, she kind of just like rolled into it. There was no real asking. Hey, will you marry me? It was like, yeah, this is just this is just what's happening. This is just how it's gonna be. You just you just already knew. You already knew you guys are gonna Yeah, no. Yeah, by the way, we're getting married. Yeah, I know, dumbass. <laughs> and that was it. 
and then it's in the history books. Yeah. Um, what was your wedding like? It was super, super small. We actually did it on a, um, we did it on a whim. We didn't even like plan it. We didn't do anything. We just, um, we jokingly a few months prior had gotten a, uh, had gotten a friend of ours ordained. And so we like a week before we were planning to get married, we called him. He lives out in uh, Dallas or Houston. I can't remember if it's Dallas or Houston, but we had him come in. We had a friend from New York fly in. Those are the only two people that knew about it whenever they came in. Um, it was around the 4th of July and we just so happened to have family from like all over the country that was just coming in just to be able to be hanging out for the 4th of July celebration. And we told my mom we were getting married the night before and we were going to be doing it at her house at this celebration and nobody at the party knew about it. So we all just rolled up in Hawaiian shirts, had a good time, shot off fireworks. And my friend who's ordained just said, Hey, your guys are married now. That's cool. And it was, <laughs> it was just, it was a ton of fun. How, how's but, uh how's your wife's uh, relationship with her family? Did they uh, have any reservations about you guys getting married? Um, her, her mom is pretty not active in her life and her dad, I don't remember the last time she's spoken to her dad, but, um, I don't really know a whole lot about what's going on on, um, on that area, like that neck of the woods. Um, I've met her family several times. I like her aunt and uncle. Unfortunately, they couldn't be there at the wedding because they had some other obligations they had to take care of, but we did get plenty of pictures. So we did have that. Tell me, tell me a little bit about what you do for work. Um, do you, you said you, you are, you're a programmer? Yeah, yeah, no, I went to school for, um, originally I went to school for music, but swapped over to computer science later, and um, now I'm a programmer for a logistics company. Basically, I work in, um, I work in C-sharp to, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to, like, phrase it. Basically, I just work there and maintain a lot of the applications that a lot of our company uses. We have our own little um, little area of the company that's specifically for like developing technological solutions to a lot of the stuff that we um, that we do on our business side. Do you think that? So, do you think that? Um, your your passion. I don't. I don't know if I would call it passion, but being a programmer do you think that comes from your love of video games or vice versa do you think your love of video games comes from enjoying programming so i've played i've been playing video games since i was like before i could even really get around like walking my dad gave me a playstation one controller and like taught me how to turn the tv on and switch the input and i was off to the races hmm. uh it's never stopped since it's always been my that's my go-to form of entertainment i wasn't outside like beating the other beating the shit out of the kids with sticks or anything <laughs> i was in there fucking playing crash bandicoot or something um i don't know i think i've had i've always had an intrinsic like interest in how things come apart how things work and um I feel like I probably got the interest in it from whenever I um, I built my first computer and the idea of just being able to take these individual parts together um, and put them into a single working product that goes and does all these different things. I'm assuming that's like the nerd equivalent of like what Steve does for a living. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's, that's my equivalent of being a car guy, but it also extends into, well, what about the things that are working on the inside of this? How does, how does, um, how does the software in this work and how does it get it to do all these different things like in Streamlabs, 
Like you take it a lot of Streamlabs or OBS. A lot of us would just take it for granted and say, oh, this is a piece of junk software whenever it doesn't do exactly what you wanted to do the exact yeah. way you wanted to do it. But you have to think about all the hundreds and hundreds of man hours that have gone into making sure that was tuned and tweaked just to be able to get it to the point that it is now, even for even with you not being happy with it. Like just the the amount of effort and work that goes into it to even come up with just what would be known as like a piece of junk software to somebody. Yeah. So, so that's always been interesting to me. Yeah. So um, how how long or I'll wait to get to that. How how do you manage your stream life with your work life is and also you know being married because i know i i have that problem with i work 12 to 13 hour days that i want to stream but i also got to spend time with the family so how how do you balance that so Brittany and i don't have kids so that's easy it's, it's, <laughs> it's a little it's a little less strenuous for us to to you know balance that kind of thing um Brittany and i both have pretty similar hobbies um we both love video game hunting. We watch the same types of TV shows for the most part. So we have those um, those bonding points. We love uh, going out to eat different places. And us moving up to this new place has been really, really cool just because every once in a while we get to go find a new place that uh, we've never heard of and we get to experience it. Like um, Friday night, we went to this barbecue place. It's like 45 minutes away from our place. And it was fantastic. And we just did it on a whim just because, oh, we heard about it and it's cool. So that's... Um, that's just good that we have those all in common. But I think the biggest thing is just setting a schedule for everything. Like I know I'm going to be at work from seven 30 to five in the afternoon. Um, and I get every other Friday off. So that gives me time to, uh, in the after hours of work, I can set up a stream schedule. I stream for uh, three hours, Monday, Wednesday, and five hours on Sunday, alternating weeks. I stream during the day while Brittany's at work. So all that time gets to be spent just either doing my own thing or doing it while she's away. And otherwise, what would I be doing besides sitting up, taking a whole thumb up my ass or something? Yeah. So actually, but, I was actually going to move into talking about Twitch, but I actually want to step back a minute um, because this will be good for everybody to hear. If you have anything to say, it'll be good for me to hear. So you guys are newly ish married. You got married last yeah, year. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like, you know, you guys, you guys have a lot in common. Um, you like yeah. TV shows, games, you have the same hobbies. How do you handle the conflicts that come up in your life? Because one thing, my wife and I, we're not, we're not alike much at all. And we have, we have very hard, time handling um conflicts that come up in our marriage because i'm more of a um thought based and she's more of emotions based so how how do you guys handle uh conflicts that come up so the number one thing that i've figured out is that if it's a real situation there's a good chance i'm fucking wrong <laughs> but i, I always if, say i'm wrong even if i'm not <laughs> Uh, there's a good chance that I have done something to be able to uh, at least attribute to the equation. I think that the number one thing is that on both sides of a relationship, you have to be able to be willing to say that you've done something wrong. Not everything is 50-50 in the directions of, or not everything is entirely one person's fault. There's usually a mix of, hey, um, this happened and I did this thing, but if you hadn't fed the fire by doing this thing, it wouldn't have been, we wouldn't have gotten to this point. I think that the number one thing for um, handling a lot of conflicts is being able to, being able to look inside and not be, act, not be so accusatory, but also look at what you could have done differently. Um, as far as that goes though, um, 
I don't know, for, for petty squabbles, like, I always, always, always am on Brittany's ass because she will just leave a can of soda half drank <laughs> somewhere around the house. It is like it's one of the things that like drives me up the wall. And it really shouldn't because she's the one that she covers our grocery bill. Yeah. So like it shouldn't bother me because she's the one paying for it and whatever. But like just the idea of having a half drink can of soda around all over the house. My mom was a huge like pet peever on that growing up. She would absolutely come through and like give a single smack to every kid that would even possibly be in the like realm of possibility of having left that around. So uh I don't know. But even things like that just throwing it out there saying hey piss off stop this and then them not doing that um i mean that could be a that could be a big point of contention but you have to you have to look big picture and say hey is this really worth getting into a big tussle for or can i just take the five seconds out of my time to go toss it in the trash yeah so i think compromise and being being willing to admit you're wrong are two pretty big pretty big key factors so so let's say your wife is having a bad day and it mm-hmm. may have been something you did, maybe not. How do you cheer her up? What's that special? Because everybody has like something special they do that's unique to their significant other. How do you cheer them up? I think that really depends. For for me specifically, like Brittany is a very, um, from from all of my experience with her over these last few years, I've noticed that she's very much a, um, she's not a like touchy person. She's not a, um like a gift givey type person um she like that's not what makes her better i think the the time and attention um where you are putting extra effort into making sure that you are hearing what that person has to say really just listening and being able to reciprocate and um re- like respond with things that they would um like to do in order to cheer them up would probably be the best way for me to handle a situation like if she came home from work and um, her boss had just been the biggest piece of shit to her that day. Um, first thing I would do is if it was a stream day, I'd probably say, fuck it. I got other shit to do. I would cancel stream and we would do something just completely different. Like I know whenever we were wrapping presents over um, Christmas, um, she had a shitty, shitty day. I canceled stream, made a big ass like pallet in the floor with a bunch of blankets that we had laying around. We sat around, we watched movies, we wrapped presents together and we just spent that quality time together just to kind of, clear our heads and to know that i'm putting that into our relationship she on the other hand if i'm having a shitty day she's the one that wants to get me little um little gifts here and there to just kind of cheer me up like if she knows i'm having a shitty day she'll go down to sonic and get me a sweet tea or something just to to bring it back and um just to have something nice for me whenever i like am not feeling at 100 percent. so it's different from person to person though like um lady optics might respond better to like just knowing you're there physical touch hand on the shoulder or or whatever but um that's how we handle it yeah my lady optics her it's so it's so difficult because her idea of spending quality time together which i mean i'm not saying it's her idea that is her way of spending quality time but um she wants to be sitting on the couch just staring into each other's eyes and either talking or just staring into each other's eyes. And I cannot do that. I have to be doing something. And so that's where a lot of a lot of times we butt heads is like her idea of spending quality time together and mine is different. And so we have to try and find a way to match that, to put it together, you know? You need a fidget spinner, my man. Dude, for real. I know. <laughs> we need a, we need no, a couple's sp- fidget spinner. 
Yeah, but I, I understand the I understand the rhetoric. I mean, she wants you to be entirely focused on her and vice versa, and that's hard for you because you have to like Yeah. You have to be doing multiple things. Brittany's the same way. Like, um we've been playing the we've been playing the Yakuza games downstairs in the living room just in our spare time. And she will be on her phone doing whatever and like I have to just like tap her and say, Hey, shit's happening right now and she'll like <laughs> tune in for a few minutes and then she'll go back to what she's doing. But yeah, it's the same thing. Uh, and she's probably wired similarly to you are where she's got to be doing something else. She can't just be like locked in focused on this one singular thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, dude. I think that's uh it's, it's always good to know what that special thing to, you know, cheer up your significant other is. Cause there's always like generic nice stuff you could do that will, you know, help somebody's mood, but there's always that one little thing that will actually like make them think you really thought of me and you weren't just doing something nice you know mm-hmm. um so let's let's get over to your streaming um how long have you been streaming um i've been streaming on and off for four years oh, that's, somewhere in there that's nice um i did cut out like i whenever i say four years on and off i mean I started very, very briefly, like my sophomore year of college, and I stopped and probably didn't pick it up again until, let's see, last September made a year since I had affiliate, so um, so yeah, there was probably a good three or four year gap where I just did no streaming whatsoever, <laughs> but um, was that... I did a little bit. Sorry, go ahead. I did a little bit whenever I was in uh, in college and then kind of picked it up afterwards. And um, yeah, here I am. Was that was that gap because of college or because of life or you just weren't into it that much? Um, It was really just it was really me not committing down and just kind of deciding this is what I want to do for a big hobby of mine. Um, I didn't have the, the desire to just dig into it quite as much as I do now. So I'm doing it now just because it kind of helps me with my backlog and I get to talk with people and do all that. And it gives me a good medium to like push all of that focus into. Um, I didn't have that desire, that need whenever I was in college, I just kind of did whatever. And I threw up and uh, did one or two streams here or there. And now I like having the structure and having the schedule and everything that kind of goes along with it. Yeah. Um. So how would, would you say your stream has changed? Like, your stream like setup and equipment and everything has that changed much since you like consistently started streaming till now or is it pretty much the same uh, i mean i've gotten better equipment um obviously a lot of the stuff with our game room stuff i use um i use for just equipment like i'm using the 360 one of our 360s to uh, stream lollipop chainsaw right now but um i've gotten better equipment overall that helps me cat- capture footage better um I've got my regular like Elgato stream like capture card that I use, but um, I've gotten a good upscaler. I've got a backlight that you can see, so I don't look like a fucking dark shadow <laughs> man. Um, I've got a whole new desk with cables that are routed in there to make everything a little bit cleaner, so that it doesn't look like a rat's nest under my desk. Um, and just little odds and ends here: stream deck, new headset, so on and so forth. But a lot of that stuff, I feel like, would have um not been there had i not dug into streaming as much as i have um so tell me tell me a little bit about your video game collection and does that do you use that um in your streaming as well 
So I don't do a lot. I don't do any streams in the game room itself, just because I don't have the. I don't have shit. We don't have the space, but um, we've pretty much crammed that room wall to wall. I couldn't put something in there if I wanted to. Um, but I do bring stuff out of the game room that I'm able to hook up to my setup on my desk and be able to stream through it. Like, um, like I said, the 360 I'm using right now. Um, I've got a PS2 actually that stays in here pretty much uh, full time that I can just use. I got a little 3D printed stand that I can just stick it up there so that it takes up less space on my desk. Um, but yeah, no, I take those, uh, I take that kind of stuff all the time out of the game room and I play the games out of there, obviously, because what else would I do for content? But yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I do, I do use stuff from it, but I've never streamed from the game room. It's something I've thought about before. I just don't know how I would actually like wire all that stuff up to work or even if it would add any value to the stream. So I heard a little a little rumor that your video game collection is quite expensive. It's a few dollars, yeah. Few, how how many how many few dollars is it? Uh I can get you an exact number. Yeah. Cuz I remember um, my wife coming to me and she's I can't remember the exact number and she's like, "Babe, holy shit. Bo's video game collection is this much." And I my jaw just dropped. So, um, just the stuff that's in my collection is sitting at about $28,800. Jesus Christ. That's just my stuff. Uh, Brittany's also got a pretty hefty chunk. I'm pretty that. sure that's like minimum wage in some states, like for a it, year's salary. It very well may be. Um, I have no justification for the way that I am, <laughs> but I'm not going to stop either. Is it is it because it's so much or because there's rare stuff in there? A little of both. Like some of the, I've got a, I've got a single PlayStation Two game that's worth around three hundred and seventy-five dollars. Jesus, what is that? Um, it's Haunting Ground for the PS Two. Okay. Um, we've also got like other big ones like Earthbound for the SNES. Um, but we've got like special edition stuff. Like, uh, you remember Death Stranding, the game yeah. with Norman Reedus in it? Yeah. We've got the full collector's edition with the big ass like baby lamp in it. Oh shit. So it, yeah uh let's see as far as britney's collection britney's collection is an additional like nineteen thousand dollars gosh dang so that that's yeah. like that's like minimum wage like if you add that together that's like minimum wage for someone who's making like twenty dollars an hour yeah it's a, it's, it's a few dollars and i've been doing uh, but this has all been like a co like a collective effort i've been doing this since um i was dumping pretty much all the money i was making from my part-time job in college into this too so it didn't just come from nowhere it's been years and years of effort into this um working on what year see i graduated college in 2020 started in 2018 so it's been about five years of effort to put all this together yeah dang um so yeah that's uh, yeah i mean it's it's a few dollars and god i wish i would stop spending so much money on it but i always um Brittany and I will run like circuits to different stores and um, other little like bin places where we know that stuff kind of pops up every once in a while and um, we see it and we just, you know, can't help ourselves. So do you, have you, I would, I would be surprised if you have, but have you played every game that you have in that collection? No, God, no. Okay. I was going to say. That's what my backlog is for actually. Like um, I'm just trying to go through, I've picked 80 games. We have over 1400 games in that collection. God dang. I've picked I've picked 80 games and if I were to play 18 hours a week on these um 
you can go to like howlongtobeat.com and it'll give you a general estimate on each game, how long it would take to go through and beat them. Um, and the way that I've got it set up here, it will take me a little over two years to get through these 80 games if I play 18 hours a week. That's great. And that's, that's, quite a, that's quite a bit of time a week playing video games. Yeah, to be fair, a lot of it will be a lot of it will be on stream, or I'll be running multiple games at the same time. Like I'll play, um, like I've got the Yakuza games down there that we haven't started yet, and I'm gonna play that all pretty much off stream. Yeah how but, how many how many systems do you have in that gaming how many, room? How many in that gaming room? Yeah. I've got NES, SNES, N64, GameCube, Wii, Wii U, Switch, PS One, Two, Three, Four, um. We have a PS5, the Xbox, the 360, the Xbox One. I've got a Series X downstairs. Um, I've got an Atari 2600. I've got a Dreamcast, a Genesis, a Sega CD, a um, shit, what is it? A Sega Saturn. Um, what else am I missing? Uh, handhelds. I've got the Game Boy, the Game Boy Pocket, the Game Boy Color, the Game Boy Advance, the Game Boy Micro. Uh, that's a lot of fucking Game Boys. That's a lot of Game Boys. Um. I've got DSs, 3DSs, DSIs. Dude, I've got I totally forgot thing. about the DSs. I totally forgot yeah. about those. Those things were massive when I was growing up. They Everybody wanted one of those. Yeah, no, they're absolutely fucking bonkers. Like, some of them are stupid expensive. Like, there's one, if you wanted to buy it in box right now, it's the um, it's a Legend of Zelda, like, Hylian Shield, like, design on the front of it. If you wanted to buy that, like, in the box with all the stuff that comes with it, it's $500. God dang. That's crazy. Yeah. You could get, you could almost get a PS5 for that much. Yeah, that's crazy. So, but your your video game collection, um, definitely worth quite a bit of money. Yeah. Have um, you have you ever thought about selling some of it? Um, so I I like to tell myself that if it really just came to it and I wasn't feeling it anymore, I would just try and offload it and sell it or whatever. Um. But I don't know. There's something like I don't know what it is about like the goblin brain inside me that I have, where I just look into it and like see all these things that I'm probably never, ever, ever even gonna like come close to being able to play, and just think to myself, maybe someday. Hey, I mean, you're already at well, like well, like thirty thousand dollars. Just keep going. What what the heck, dude? Yeah, I'm at thirty thousand on my own. Yeah. So, um, I do think that, um. Uh, if I didn't have all this stuff, I would have never gotten into like doing um, console mods and stuff. Like I did, um, I put a chip in one of my game cubes and I wouldn't have been able to do that. Otherwise we just, I had a parts game cube that I was lying, that was just lying around just from what we had picked up. And um, I got to go and give it new life because the disc drive on it didn't work. So boom, now it can just load up and play whatever it wants to off of an SD card. Um, and same thing goes. I turned a uh, one that was just completely bupkis and wouldn't turn on. I turned it into a switch dock for my wife. She keeps it on her desk, and you can just slide a switch down into it. It looks like a whole ass GameCube. The front LED on it works. It's pretty dope. Tell me about the extra life charity that you do. So I actually started doing that whenever I started working at the company I do now. Um, it's actually run through my um, through my work, but it's headed up by somebody who um, has been doing it for ten plus years. Um, it's really, really cool. All the money that I get through it goes straight to. Um, I have it set to go to Arkansas Children's Hospital in Little Rock because that's just my local like Miracle Network hospital. But um, that's really, really a cool thing because it was uh, it was one of those things that I got to 
um, get out there and do something that was not just for myself. I got to have fun while I was doing it. I got to raise money for some kids that otherwise may not have gotten that money to be able to help them out with whatever they may need it for. But um, yeah, no, it was my second year doing it last year and it was a total, it was a total train wreck for me because I ended up having to um, do a maid stream where I wore a maid's outfit for an entire like Sunday stream. <laughs> um, I did a hot sauce gauntlet where I took entire shots of hot sauces, all the hot ones, hot sauces. Um, and that was goddamn terrible. And um, those things are expensive. That's what we were trying to do for the, for our stream, for our try not mm-hmm. to laugh stream. It's like mm-hmm. 130 bucks though. Yep. And I wasn't going to make Steve and Trevor pay for that. <laughs> yeah. I, I did it just because, um, I keep up with hot ones just oh, yeah. in general. Yeah. So I do, I do like the, um, I do like some of the sauces and somebody I work with had some of the ones from um, the lineup that I actually bought. So I'd actually tried some of the sauces before I did the, the gauntlet. Um, but I was not ready for like what a whole shot of each one of those was going to do to my Oh, stomach. you did a whole was, shot. I did a whole shot of them. Oh no. How, yeah, how I made was, it. How was your toilet feeling after that? cracked broken <laughs> under just the weather. like you <laughs> yeah um i made it to i made it to number eight um i tried a taste of number nine and i had to get up and go i had to just evacuate everything oh no yeah yeah i when when we did our hot ones challenge i was steve said he was gonna do spoonfuls and i'm like dude i'm not doing that i will grab chicken or something but i'm not doing spoonfuls did he do spoonfuls? He did spoonfuls. What a man. What an absolute and man. We had Hank. Go ahead. Uh, the uh, the hottest hot sauce had Trinidad Scorpion and Carolina Reaper mixed. Mm-hmm. And so it was it was dog water. It was horrible. Yeah. Uh, we had Hank there for whenever I did my gauntlet, because we did it whenever we all went to go visit um, visit Trevor for the grandma stream. Oh, yeah. Um, but we were hanging out there, and Hank did this like it was nothing it was literally nothing he said yeah it's hot and he fucking walks off like like we were all just <laughs> pussy bitches in front of him um he goes into the bathroom right. and starts crying his eyes out <laughs> he's probably come in there to make fun of me for fucking like throwing up immediately like it was insane because i don't know if he's just emotionally damaged and that makes him not able to taste spice or whatever but like that's inhuman like even even like nihao who grew up with like super spicy foods yeah um like she was like, yeah, it's it's pretty fucking it's pretty fucking hot, <laughs> and Hank just like shrugged it off like it was nothing, absolutely absolutely unhinged behavior. So, uh, how I know you said your extra life charity is like it was a train wreck, but how how much money did you raise for that? Um, I can't even remember. It was over a over over a thousand dollars this year, Holy and I did crap. I did over a thousand dollars this year, and I did something in the ballpark of. Um, something in the ballpark of like three hundred, four hundred dollars last year. Hell yeah! So I'm pretty pretty excited for how it uh, how it turned out. Hopefully, I'll be able to uh, top it next year. You know? Yeah, and that, that was for the the children's hospital. Hmm. Yeah, dude. Um. So tell me, tell me a little bit. Um, you've grown. How many followers do you have to, on Twitch right now? I think I looked at it the other day. It was uh, something like 165, 166, somewhere in there. Oh, yeah. So um, tell me how, how well how you connect with your viewers. Like how 
because there's some people that just stream and you know that's that's it they're no more after the only time they want to interact with their people is on their stream tell me how you interact with your viewers and how you make them a part of your life and how you're a part of their life so you're in the snapchat group right yeah i i'm less active in there than i was whenever that first came up i was it was like ruining my productivity at work oh yeah me too i was i was just in that shit and i backed off quite a bit now but um for the most part um i talked to I talk to both B and uh, Nihao pretty regularly off stream, just if we're like sending memes or something over to each other on Instagram or something. But um, I mean, I have my discord where um, I try and stay active enough. I think for me, the hardest part is staying active. Like I, if I don't like actively have it in my concentration, I'll just forget to like do something on Twitter or I'll forget to like post in the discord and say, Hey, how are you motherfuckers doing today or whatever. But like, um, that's where I try and keep the most like active on there. Um, I do occasionally do like uh, streams where we'll have community night and we'll interact that way um, a little more directly than just like hanging out and chat or whatever. But um, I do kind of live for moments whenever we're just hanging back, having a good night and everybody is just in chat being fucking degenerates. Like those are, those are nights that I live for, but I, but I also, I also love having the interaction and having them be a part of things that are not stream related just because um, over time, I mean, a lot of the a lot of people that I've met from streaming are just people that I just consider my friends now, right? Yeah, and I th I think that's a I think honestly that's a growing trend is the um the just chatting segments. Like I've seen so many more streamers either do full just chatting streams or do longer just chatting streams just because it helps them connect with their audience. I mean, yeah, I did a whole um. I did a three hour long stream where I built my backlog up and um, I had everybody coming in. They were, I sent, sent out a link to my collection said, Hey like, guys, look through this, see what you think would be worthwhile. We'll talk about it. We'll chat about it and see if, um, see if you think it would be worthwhile to put it in the backlog or whatever. And um, some people threw in some suggestions and it was nice because it felt like it was less of a one way conversation. And me just replying to what they'd say to me, because a lot of the, a lot of the times it can, it can kind of feel that way. Like you're reading, to ch you're reading chat and you're almost just kind of giving cookie cutter responses out of the top of your head back to people. Yeah. Um, this way it felt a lot more organic because it was more of a conversation rather than a one line or reply kind of thing. So how do you, how do you handle people that come in on your stream and are just being horrible to your viewers and horrible to you? So I've been lucky to this point and I've not had a huge problem with it. I did have, um, I did have somebody come in and they said some pretty rough stuff about like native American people. Um, and I think that, Sorry, that I think me. they, meant... Oh, <laughs> no, bad. <laughs> no, they, they came in and um, I don't think they meant it to come off the way that it did. Um, but sarcasm is pretty hard to like show through text. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, they came in and they said something and um, I'm not I'm not going to be a stickler and say hey you can't joke about this one thing or this other thing as long as it feels like you're not trying to be mean to somebody um but the the, the way that it came out like um it was really unfortunate too because we were doing our lego stream I didn't have my regular stream set up so my OBS or my streamlabs didn't have uh, my mod view turned on so Brittany had to get up from the stream and go and just like time out and remove all those chats on there and um unfortunately like I didn't see that. I didn't see that person in my chat again for for several weeks at that point. And I think that it's good because I don't think he took it hard. And 
Um, I think you like just said, okay, I'm just gonna come back now. But um, it is weird to have to like switch modes and put the foot down on somebody. Yeah. Like say, hey, I can't have that shit because I did have to like say, hey, that's not cool. Like, cut that shit out. Yeah. Um, I've ne- never had to ban anybody though, unless it was like a bot or something. Yeah. The thing is, is that um. You, you, I think that the, the, the number one thing to keep into effect is that most people are not coming out trying to trying to ruin anything. They're, yeah. they're going in there and they're trying to just – they're socializing in the way that makes sense to them. And sometimes um, sometimes it just gets out of hand. Like I know that um, – like whenever I drink, for example, I lose my sense of personal space. And that <laughs> makes a lot of people uncomfortable because I'm like six foot two and like just a big motherfucker. Oh, yeah, me too. But like it, it's just – it's one of those things like whenever you get into it and you get dug into it, sometimes it goes a little bit – it gets a little bit further than what you intend- anticipated for it to go. Yeah. So you can't hold that to, you can't hold that against him if it happens once or twice, but if it's a habit, you know, you gotta yeah. do what you gotta do. Right. Yeah. No, I, I also, um, so I'm a pretty quiet person. You wouldn't be able to tell from my stream, um, or when I'm drunk, but, mm-hmm. but when I'm just, when I'm just living life, I'm a pretty quiet person. But when I yeah, get yeah. drunk, dude, I will. I'm probably the loudest person in the room. I'll be looking for the switch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Um. I think honestly, that's that's all we got time for today. Um. Is uh. Is there where where can people find you on socials? Uh, social media. I can be found on Twitter, on Instagram. I'm all Boa four seven six. Pretty much anywhere you want to look, and I'll probably be out there in some form or fashion. Um. Except for TikTok. TikTok. I am Lemon Boa. Heck yeah. Um, if, if you're interested in the collection stuff, you can find stuff out there on TikTok for it. Um, otherwise, you'll find me on Twitter shit posting or like retweeting something that's all survival horror related, or um, you'll find me on Instagram just kind of reposting a lot of the TikToks and stuff and occasionally putting a life update or something out there. Heck yeah, dude. Well, thank you for doing this with me. It was fun learning about you and getting to know you better. Yeah, I feel I'm uh, I hope these um I hope these uh, like go go well for all of us. Yeah, I I'm excited for it. Um what what days do you stream on Twitch? Uh usually live on Monday, Wednesday and Sunday. Um 7 a.m. or 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Monday and Wednesday, 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. on Sundays, alternating Fridays, 12:30 to 5. Heck yeah. All right, Boa, thank you for doing this with me. Yes, sir. You have Thank you for listening to this interview with Boa 476. You can watch Taylor's stream on Twitch at Boa476. You can also check out the Optics42 channel where you will see me live. A shorter version of this podcast will be posted on the Optics42 YouTube channel where you can see clips about events talked about today as well as some family photos that Taylor would like me to share with you. Thank you again for listening to the Streamer Deep Dive Podcast. Uh,